going to get it again. Enjoy. The only thing better than playing it twice is playing it three times. So why don't we do that? Just kidding. to the show. Good uh, evening, ladies and gentlemen. My name is Matt Rory, and this is Careless Whispers in, on CLNS Radio. I'm Liz Ferrola. Hello. Hello. So you're here before Calvin. I don't know if you knew that. No. How That's you doing fun. tonight? <laughs> I'm great. How are you? I'm, a, I'm all right. How are you? You want to do Hi, this? Hi, how, how, how are you? How's mom and dad? Yeah. Hi, Lauren. Um... I'm gonna. I'll, I'll get it out now, and maybe we'll just keep it a secret from Calvin. But this looks like it's gonna be our our definitely our last show before uh, the big holidays start, and probably our last show in 2016, Liz, because I'm going to the Celtics game next Tuesday, so he can uh, wow. figure something else out. How about that? Just boom, dropping it live on the air. He doesn't even know. Maybe we just keep it a secret from him. Where is this person, your co-host, your so-called co-host? Yeah, he's got some sort of internet problem, again. Always. Always. Did you play basketball tonight? No. Did you some hoops? Nope. Okay. I, I made a frozen pizza. Nice. Filios? DiGiorno. DiGiorno's not frozen, is it? What do you mean DiGiorno's not frozen? I thought DiGiorno was like a like a prepared pizza, but it wasn't frozen. Calvin, is DiGiorno frozen? <laughs> the DiGiorno's frozen. I think she's thinking Bobbly, which is like just a oh, pizza. Oh, I am thinking Bobbly. Well, no, he's joined us. Calvin, you made it to your own show. Welcome. Why are we talking? We were just stalling. We were stalling. That's what I made for dinner tonight. A DiGiorno frozen pizza. So <laughs> thank you for helping me stall for a, a few minutes, Liz. We'll talk to you later. Yeah, I'll see you in a bit. All right, there she goes. Calvin, hello. Flavor. What flavor is your It's It's out actually uh, Italian meatball. 
Mm-hmm. I think Calvin's going to have to use his phone tonight. I think that's uh, going to I mean, you, you you cut out, but now you're back, and I don't know what's happening, but it's one, it sounds like it might be one of those one of those nights. One thing to work. Apparently, people say I sound better on it, but uh, well, uh, yeah, I don't know. My my internet has been connecting well with the laptop for a while, and I cannot figure out why for the life of me. Connects by my iPad. I know this is this is off off, off uh, show complaints, but. You know what? I complain about things. That's what I do. Well, um, you, you do sound better when you're not choppy. I'll give I'll give them that. Whoever's criticizing your sound, uh, but uh, the choppiness has got to go. I think. So. Okay, that's fine. We can, I'll switch right over. Yeah, we can sacrifice some some choppiness for a little bit, uh, or some good sound for to get rid of this choppiness. Um, while you do that, I will just explain to the people what, uh, what we're going to be talking about tonight. So thank you for sticking through this first strange few minutes. Uh, we are going to be getting into a whole bunch of stuff because guess what? I actually watched football this weekend, multiple football games. So we're going to be hitting on some NFL later, uh, talking about the situations that are going on with with the playoffs and who's in who's out things like that um we're going to bring liz back on a little bit later and of course we're going to talk some basketball but we start on somewhat of a somber note because calvin a uh beloved man in the nba community has passed away after battling leukemia uh and that man is craig sager and tonight actually the Celtics television announcers are wearing some tuxedo T-shirts, if you will, that are, are uh, the pattern is something that Craig Sager likely would have worn or maybe even did wear it at one point. So they're wearing those tribute T-shirts, the, the, the two commentators tonight on television. So the Celtics getting involved in that. And I know that they the players wore the warm-ups um, last week. Uh, during one of the home games, so uh, that is happening around the league, and uh, it's it's sad to see him him go. Um, but I I I do think that it was great that he battled this. He battled back from the first time, and people were able to enjoy his presence for another couple of years because it, it, he was in remission at one point, and it did come back. Uh, and this this time he did not win the battle, so it's that's it's very unfortunate. It's, it's a sad week in the NBA community. Yeah, it's it's definitely a sad week, and like you said, I, I think it's it's you know it's unfortunate how uh, it's unfortunate that he died suddenly, but at the same time, it there is something to be said for the fact that that. He, you know, he got his diagnosis, and he he sort of lived uh, for longer than he was expected to live. Uh, I believe he was given six months, and he lived uh, well over a year. Which, you know, I I, I don't mean to say that to sound cruel, but I, I I think that it's it's sort of a good thing that he got to like literally see what people thought of him, and like he got a lot of appreciation from people. He got to work a finals game. He got you know, a lot of tributes while he was still around. And he he sort of was able to feel that love and respect from people, you know, before he went. I, I think to me that's the biggest solace in 
like the fact that we lost somebody who is is basically uh, the NBA's best sideline reporter. I mean, he endorsed Burke. Um, I think he sort of carved out a, a great niche for himself, be it the, the colorful suits or, or just the, the genial demeanor. You know, everybody liked him. I, so the one great thing about Craig Sager to me is, like, when he passed, unlike a lot of other people, it, I, I feel like people took the opportunity to, you know, instead of being sad about it, run clips of just how entertaining he was. And that's definitely what his legacy will be. The fact that he's, he was a really entertaining broadcaster that's or reporter. Yeah, and I've I've said before that if KG can love somebody, then everybody can because it's tough to win Kevin Garnett over. And KG has spoken highly of Craig Sager both on camera and off, I'm sure. And um, uh, it's it just that's what I use to to sort of illustrate what he means to to the league on like a small scale. So. He, he definitely meant more than just one-on-one relationships like that with a with a player. But <clears throat> uh, fans loved his reporting. They like you said they loved his demeanor. I'll remember him uh, the most for being at All Star games and just really wearing. He he really broke out the most crazy suits for those All Star games. And those those were the times that that I remember him most on television. Because other times it was it was maybe a, a crazy color, but he was wearing a one color suit or something like that. But really, he he really went with the crazy patterns uh, for for a lot of All Star games on TNT. So that's that's how I'm gonna rem- remember his dress. But he definitely is a guy that people respect around the league. So it's sad to see him go so soon. Yeah, it is. And that's so, you know he lived, he lived a great life, and uh, I think he was rightly celebrated on his death. And yeah, it is a tragic thing. I don't you know don't have too much more to say on that. But we just I just felt like it was necessary for us to give him the respect that he deserves. Stop talking. Do Do you want to do a little thirty second moment of silence here? Uh, sure. I can watch the clock, and um, okay. So I guess we'll do that uh, right now. All right, and you are still listening to Careless Whispers here on CLNS Radio. It's not often that we have 30 seconds of no sound. I hope that the that translates in the podcast version of this uh, of this episode, and not just on the live version. I know sometimes the podcast and BTR cut out dead air, so we just did that for Craig Craig Sager, his passing, and uh, we're going to move on from from that um, to another NBA topic. Thirty seconds is a lot longer than uh, than I would have suspected. Yeah, I thought about do, uh, doing a minute real quick, and I said, "No, thirty seconds is kind of is kind of long." So, <laughs> hopefully, BTR keeps that for us. If not, then uh, at least we'll know that that we we made that we gesture. Did we did it for us. Um, we did it for us, <laughs> and for Craig Sager, of, of course. Um, but we move on to a topic that has become well. 
if anybody out there is looking for a straw man, I'm I'm your straw man. Uh, so people are calling this a straw man argument, or people could call this a straw man argument, but I'm the one that can, that is trying to spout this out. So if you hear if you start to hear this on terrestrial radio, I, I want to know who's listening to us. That's that's what I'm looking for. Okay, because this is this is something that I'm sure is going to get picked up at some point just because of the uh, how crazy of a notion a lot of people think it is. But I truly believe it. I'm not just spouting BS here. Calvin, going forward, if I were to tell you that the Celtics were going to have three max contracts and one of them was Al Horford, another one was Avery Bradley, and a third was Isaiah Thomas. How would you feel about that? Avery Bradley, max contract, huh? I wouldn't feel good about that. You wouldn't feel good about that. But if those, so if those were your three guys, that's not, that's not a, a championship team, correct? No. Okay. So... <clears throat> That would, that would, to me, because that, that looks to be the way the Celtics are going right now. If they were to stand pat after next year, both of those guys' contracts are up, Bradley and Thomas. If they were to stand pat and hold those guys and give them extensions, I, the way Bradley's playing right now, he's looking like a, a guy they would give a max contract to. Thomas is obvious. He's going to get a max contract regardless of where he goes just because of his, his scoring ability and his, his all-star status and just what he can do in a game. But you need to get a better player than Isaiah Thomas in here if you want a championship. So I want Danny Ainge to trade Isaiah Thomas for and a pick, whatever else they want from the roster, whoever it is. I'm looking at a guy like Paul George. I'm just throwing names out there a guy that you can pry away from, from any, anybody out there for Isaiah Thomas because he has a little bit higher value than Avery Bradley and give Bradley that contract next year, bring in that, that high-level player. Maybe it's Jimmy Butler if the Bulls want to walk away from Rondo. They go to Thomas. Who knows? I'm just throwing names out there. My point is Thomas has higher trade value. If you're going to give both of them a max contract, which is – frankly, the way it's looking right now, then it's not going to work. And one of them's got to go. And I honestly, I'd rather keep Bradley anyway, because he's a more all around player. And if you get a player that's better than Thomas, as far as scoring is concerned, then you're in good shape. So it, it, it may sound like a long shot and a pipe dream, but I don't like the way that things are shaping up for the Celtics contracts for their, for their supposed big three, because I don't know who the third guy would be if it's not Bradley on this team. It, maybe it's a guy that's that's not not on the team yet, but if you have to choose between one of them now, you go with shipping Thomas out because he's the guy that has more value and you can bring back a better player right now. When does Isaiah Thomas's contract end? Do you know? They're both after the end of next season. Thomas is making like eight million right now, and Bradley's making six or something like that. I'll double check it, but they're both signed through next year. Okay, so so 
right now both those contracts have a crazy value, right? Would you, you are you trying to argue that you would you would want to trade him before the trade deadline this year, or do you feel like you'd want to trade him before the trade deadline next year, where uh, you can get another year out of that contract and and you know run through one more playoff run, but you probably wouldn't be able to get as much back for him in return in turn, as far as the trade is concerned. Yeah, I think get as much as you can. If you have to ship him off now and, and hurt your playoff chances right now, you know what? I'm fl- I'm flipped on this one. I'm I'm okay with it because this team is not going to win an NBA championship. They they may not even get to the Eastern Conference fi- Finals the way they're playing. They may not even win a round the way that they've been playing lately. So they, I fully expect them to turn it around. I think they're going to have the season that people expect them to, and I think they're going to still finish with a top three seed, top three record with a home court playoff series, and maybe they will win it. I don't. I, I wouldn't expect them to win it like I did going into the season. So that bothers me, and they're just they're not there. And I don't think that they can keep building with role players and it, it, the way that they've been doing it. Horford is a, is a good addition, but they need more, and I just they need it. They need it more. They need it sooner than in the next three to four years, which is where you're looking if you're going to develop all these players. You, he needs to make another splash in the trade market, and it's not going to be easy. But at this point, I'm on board with something like that. Yeah, I I hear what you're saying. My counter to that, though, is that, it, that based on the fact that he's on that contract now, it's going to be difficult for the Celtics to sort of get a reasonable return on Isaiah Thomas's contract, partly because he only, partly because the NBA is saturated with point cards, right, and partially because he only makes the eight million when the Celtics have to match that within fifteen percent. So it's not like I, I'm not quite sure what Isaiah Thomas's trade value is right now. Certainly, uh, you know, he's been a lot better in Boston since he uh, left Phoenix in, in Sacramento, but I don't know that he is the type of player that, that's going to get you a huge return in in terms of trade value. I'm, I can't even – I'm going to have to look at it more and, you know, look at needs around the league and – and what somebody could give them. I, I wasn't really prepared for to do that tonight. Maybe I'll come back with you with some ideas next week. In fact, uh, we got to write it down. We'll do, we'll, we'll do a list game Isaiah Thomas trade next next week. Oh, well, put- Calvin, if if you had seen or been here for the beginning of the show, you would have heard my announcement, and I'm going to let the cat out of the bag. This is actually shaping up to be our last show in 2016 right here, right now. Hmm? Oh, that's fine. Uh, you going on vacation next week? That makes sense. No, but I'm going to the Celtics game, so I don't know. Maybe we can try to get one in between the Tuesday and uh, Friday, but it's probably going to be pretty tight. Okay, we'll we'll, we'll, figure, we'll figure that out. We'll be talking about that up here. By the way, you the way you started that that sentence, I, I thought maybe you knew something about the end of the show that I didn't. I thought you were going to say this is our final episode. This uh, is our final episode ever. Nick Chelsea's cutting yeah. the cord. No, that's not happening. Yeah. We're, I don't think that that is ever going to happen. We could probably do a thousand episodes before they decide to get rid of us. Right, so that was a close one, guys. CW nearly canceled, but we managed to avoid it. <laughs> nope, just yeah. for the rest of those 
2016 calendar year. In any case, so I, so I see what you mean about not wanting to pay him a max contract and retaining flexibility, although there's some other issues with that when it comes to the new CBA that we'll, that we'll get into in a little bit. But I, I guess my, my thing about it is, is like, one, you will probably want to trade. This team doesn't have ball handling as it is, right? So I, That's true. Are you, are you, are you, difficult. Are it's a you, difficult scenario. Are you sort of uh, tactically supporting the idea of like, of like, you know what, scrap this specific team. I don't mind blowing it up to, to like make us better in a couple of years. Is that is that what you're you're saying, or are you saying simply like I I don't want this team to fall off too much, but I would like I would just not well, want to be locked into Isaiah Thomas's contract. Yeah, I'm. I mean, I just don't think that. So I, I I'm built I'm making this notion up in my in my own head that Bradley and Thomas are the the future, but those are the guys on the roster right now that if Danny Ainge gets handcuffed again and can't pull a trade, he either needs to pull a trade for more future assets or sign both of these guys, right? Am I wrong in thinking that? Yeah, I I, don't, I think you're wrong in in that Bradley will command the max. I think he'll, he'll command a fair bit, but I'd be surprised if it were the max. I, think I, I don't know. Like the, way he's, the way he's been playing this year with his rebounding and just turning it on, we'll see. I mean, may, he could tail off over the next three months. But if he keeps it up, then it's just, it, looks, it looks like he's going to be commanding a lot more than what people think. Uh, but either way, I, I just – I'd rather I'm, – I'm giving in – like I used to support the fact that going out, out and keeping your draft picks and trying to, to – get a player in the draft and develop him. But I just look, seeing Al Horford out there as, as the best player that the Celtics have seen here in, in a few years, definitely in the Brad Stevens era. Uh, I arguably anyway, because Thomas obviously is a great scorer, but the best all around player that the Celtics have seen in the Brad Stevens era is Al Horford. And seeing a guy like that just makes me want more. And I'm I'm getting a little greedy, and I want them to speed up the process because th- there are definitely players out there that are are probably going to be available, and I just I don't ha- hold as much value in those picks anymore, and I want the Celtics to try and make another big splash. I'm I'm flipping on this one. I used to be okay with just hanging out in the middle, but I just I need them to make a move at, at this point. Uh, I'm tired of, of seasons starting uh, with 500 records through Christmas and then having them fall short in the playoffs. And I know that they've made baby steps, but it's time for them to make a big step in my mind. Yeah, I, I hear what you're saying. and I, I get the, the desire to do something drastic. I'm going to have, again, have to look closer at it. It's just hard for me to, to imagine again, based on his contract and the, the glut of point guards and the fact that Isaiah is sort of is what he yeah. is at this point. He's not a he's not and, a guy with. I'm sorry. No, sorry. I was just going to say it, it, the caveat is that it needs to you need to get a star player in return. You're not just blowing it up. I'm not telling 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 you that I want him to blow it up and get more assets in return for Isaiah, because meanwhile Isaiah is the only guy scoring for the Celtics right now. Basically, Horford's having a good game, but. He is getting to the free throw line against Memphis, and he's he's shooting well. He's already got 20 points. 
looking at a box score like that, you realize that you need a guy like that. But so the point is, if you can flip him and some of the ass, other assets you have for a better player, please go do it. Yeah, I'm just not sure that that guy's out there right now. But uh, I and, and I, I understand that. Yeah, the, the need for it. I mean, there is a guy that we'll, that we'll talk about in a second who you could argue uh, could be that guy. In fact, let's just get to that now because, yep. um, yeah. So, you know, the wheels keep on turning in this DeMarcus Cousins saga, right? It's not it's not one thing, it's another. Uh, did you see the, the latest tirade he went, uh, he had? Uh, towards the Sacramento Key employee. I, yeah, I heard a little bit about this. I don't have all the details, though. So this columnist, Andy Ferrillo, wrote an article uh, about DeMarcus Cousins partying with Matt Barnes in a New York nightclub uh, and referenced an earlier incident in the same nightclub with DeMarcus Cousins' brother, uh, Jaleel, where uh, Jaleel had to be tasered and was arrested. So DeMarcus Cousins was, was angry about it, and he uh, confronted the the B employee sort of like in, in the hallway, and someone was recording it, and DeMarcus Cousins, you know, got in his face and said, you know, you can write whatever you want about me, but, like, don't effing write about my family, don't write about my brother, and sort of screamed at him. And I guess the, the most interesting thing part about it, well, I'll just follow up, so... Uh, so afterward, he came out and apologized uh, for it, for his actions, even though he didn't apologize to the paper or the or the writer himself. Um, and then the team came out and they fined him and said he would he would not be suspended. So to to me, first of all, the most surprising part of that is like not that he went off on on this employee. And the employee's like a he's like a sixty year old dude. You know what I mean? And six foot ten. DeMarcus Cousins is, like, shirtless in this video. You have to check it out if you haven't seen it. Uh, just, just like, standing in his face <laughs> yelling at him. Like, you don't talk to me about that. And, like, it doesn't paint a pretty picture because it, like, looks like DeMar- DeMarcus Cousins is, like, intimidating this frail old man. It's not... But the, the thing is, here's, I have a couple issues with this. One is that, like, uh, guys get in reporters' faces, NBA players, or but basically players of, of any sport will like, tell reporters to F off all the time. And, like, they don't want to talk to them. They don't like them anymore. Like, athletes get in contentious relationships with, with reporters all the time. This one, like, yeah, you can argue it looked a little far, but, like, he didn't punch him or, or anything. It, it, I didn't like, the like, his physical language, the way he was so, like, seeming to bully him. Maybe if, if the reporter wasn't, a you know, a 60-year-old man, I wouldn't care nearly as much. But, to me, the bigger issue is like the Sacramento Bee recording this backroom transaction that wasn't it wasn't like part of a press conference or anything, which is fine. But then like releasing it uh, with an article in the paper, it's almost like they're saying like they're I don't know. It feels like they're violating a sort of trust a little bit with Demarcus Cousins. Do you disagree with me there? I I, I don't really like what they did. Like their specific thing to just release that video. Yeah, I mean, it's they they have credentials and stuff. They're they're allowed back there. You would think that the team would come to his defense in this situation. And I'll tell you, I guarantee that if this happened to a Dallas Maverick, Mark Cuban would pull that reporter's credentials 
right then and there. And it, you saw it happen for less with, with the ESPN guys. We talked about it a few weeks ago. I don't. I, I, that's the way I look at this. Yeah, they're, they are probably breaking a little bit of trust with DeMarcus Cousins. But where's the team to get his back? Why isn't the team doing something about this and saying, hey, hold on a second. This, this was an unsanctioned situation. We need to – uh, we, you, you could have come to us to, to address this first before just throwing it out there. And you know what? Maybe maybe the team did know about it and they said, let it go. But I would I would like to believe that the organization would have their players back, especially when they are, he, the player in question is of the caliber of DeMarcus Cousins and there wasn't actually a physical altercation. Yeah, I think the problem, obviously, right, is that it is DeMarcus Cousins, and DeMarcus Cousins has already had his issue of acting childish. And, like, there's no way for the Kings to to really, like, spin it. And, and the fact that, again, DeMarcus Cousins is shirtless and yelling at an old man, I think it's hard for the team to, to back that, even though, like, it, again, along with, like, what what athletes athletes relationships with reporters? It's not really that far out of the ordinary. It's just the fact that it's Demarcus Cousins and he's a giant dude yelling at an old guy that that sort of makes it hard for the team to to then back his play in that scenario. But I and I think it just goes along the lines. Well, of maybe like, maybe not even maybe not even a hundred percent back the player, but at least come out and and have some sort of uh, control over whether they were even released the video, maybe make a, a joint statement or something. Like, I, I know that it, not all of the professional organizations work that way, but I, I know that some have that relationship with the media in different areas of the country. So it, it just, it seems to me like it could have worked out a, in a better manner and I'm surprised that the team didn't step in and intervene here, but maybe they didn't have a chance. Yeah, maybe not. Maybe I, I imagine the the B columnist uh, or whoever recorded that video probably didn't go to the team first, right before they released the article. And at that point, it was sort of the team was doing damage control. And again, I think the fact that it is Demarcus ties into it. And the fact that the team's probably getting sick of him probably also ties into it, right? And that's, that's probably the Sacramento Bee's probably yeah, getting be sick true. of him, too. It probably ties into why they released the video in the first place. It's like, why, if you're, you know, the Sacramento Bee, like, do you really feel like you need to uh, protect your relationship with DeMarcus at this point? Because apparently that same reporter, DeMarcus, uh, like, he was sitting at a press conference in DeMarcus' room, like literally said, I refuse to answer any questions while this guy's here. I'll wait for him to leave. And the team had to come back to him and say, well, you can't really do that. And then so he's like, okay, well, I guess I'll answer the question. But, yeah. So I think that his his relationship, with at least with the newspaper, is probably irreparable at this point. And his relationship with the team is, it, I mean, it finally feels like, it, it sort of seems like at this point, like talking about the Kings trading DeMarcus Cousins is like, I don't know. It's like talking about like when the apocalypse is going to hit, right? When the when the like the, when the religious apocalypse is going to hit, and I feel like it's, it, it's like okay, well, always. it's going to happen. In, yeah, it's going to happen in 2015. Oh, the date passed. Oh, you know what? I read my scrolls wrong. It's actually going to happen in 2016. <laughs> oh, well, you know, in December 20th. That's what it feels like, right? It's like every year we have the same conversation, but I. I I feel like they're going to have to make a move soon. You know, now it, it sort of feels like 
Like, what else can they do other than trade DeMarcus Cousins at this point? That franchise is cursed. They're not going anywhere. They they don't have a lot of talent. It's like there's no way he just he signs another contract in Sacramento at this point. He's going to be a free agent after next year. Do you, like, do you – I mean, it's, it seems pretty likely to me that they'll trade him at this point. What do you think? I don't see any other solution unless they sell the team or they somehow find a coach that, that can – rein him in I mean he's going to be able to pick whatever team he wants to go to because he'll have suitors and I don't think he cares about the money at this point he just wants to get out of Sacramento that's how I would feel if I were him anyway and so I would just be looking at every team that was going to offer me that max deal outside of the Kings and walk away and say see you later I'll give up whatever it is 10 million dollars a year even though that's a huge number Hopefully he has enough sense to do that and get a better situation for himself because otherwise he's just going to toil away in Sacramento and hope that they trade him or something and they they just, like you said, will never do it. It's, it's never going to happen. So I anticipate that uh, he will be either dangled at the trade deadline right before his contract runs out or he will walk away and that'll be it. Okay, Rory. So we just had a converse, long conversation about, uh, like, Isaiah Thomas and how you feel like he needs to be traded because they shouldn't give him a, a contract situation or just the Celtics need to make their next move with with these assets. Now, now DeMarcus Cousins is sitting there. He's on the table. We talked about how the Kings probably need to trade him. Should the Celtics try to make a move for DeMarcus Cousins? Honestly, I would do it at this point. I mean, if Sacramento wants to take back Isaiah, I know that that's that would be painful for Isaiah. I don't think he had a very good time there. I, I think that he's he has said uh, – I could be wrong here, but I think he said in the past that it was not the best of situations for him, but he respects DeMarcus Cousins and, th- and things like that. So um, all all of that aside, because Isaiah is a good guy, he's a, good, he's a great player, and I, I don't want to – knock him as a person. So, I mean, that, that would, that would be terrible for him, but as a business, business decision, I would do it. Definitely. Let's make a move. Let's do something else. Let's get a guy in here that, that can make a difference in an all around way, both on offense and on defense in big time games and give cousins the chance to do it. I have been out on cousins this entire time, but I'm so ready for them to just, shake it up and make and look a little bit different uh, that I just, I'm, I'm there, Calvin. Let's, let's do it. Let's, let's just roll the dice because this is not, this is not the, the finals team. This is not the finals contender of the East. Toronto's better than them. Cleveland's obviously better than them. There are other teams that they would have a fight with in the first round, let alone an Eastern conference final if they were to get there. So I just, I'm I'm uh, I'm getting tired of toiling, and while it's better to lose in the first round, it's still in my mind than it is to be the Philadelphia 76ers year after year. I just I want the Celtics to make another move, and it's certainly easier said than done. Ray, you, you know what's ironic about this is like I was all, I've also been on the other side for the longest, which is the side of like yeah you always you you always trade for more talent. And like, yeah, you you know you trade for more talent, and then you 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 know try to figure it out afterward. But like, why wouldn't you trade for the guy who can theoretically make your team better? But I'm I'm almost and I'm still that guy generally speaking. 
but I think with Cousins specifically, I'm almost at the point where, like, and I, I and this is not something that just applies to, like, the Celtics. I, it, it also applies to my own team, the Lakers. Like, I've been kind of so behind the idea of, like, yeah, why wouldn't I trade, you know, D'Angelo Russell and Julius Randle for DeMarcus Cousins, even though, even though they may have a ceiling, that, but that ceiling's not DeMarcus Cousins' ceiling. You know what I mean? Like, I'll still – I'd always trade for the more talent. But I think in his particular case, at this point, it's, I finally reached the point where, like, I'm not convinced that he, that you know he's going to be able to turn it around in another situation. I think for Demarcus Cousins, like to for him to work out in another situation, I think he has to be traded to a place that either has a player who's better than he is, so he's not the alpha, and so he'll be held accountable by that player, and sort of you know have that player keep him in line, or a, a player who who's powerful enough to to you know. Uh, have DeMarcus Cousins frozen out of the offense or sort of show him that we don't need DeMarcus Cousins or just a coach that's had so much success that can basically do the same thing. Somebody at the level. So So where, where, so DeMarcus Cousins, you're saying needs to be traded to, um, let's see, New Orleans, Golden State, uh, uh, Houston, San Antonio, and or Cleveland is that it? Those are the five places. I mean, am I missing anything? I feel like that's it because those are the only places that have a superstar and or a coach that are proven in my mind. I I I think that I think it could work with the Clippers if you played with Chris Paul. I think there's a, there's a couple other situations that I, I I'd have to maybe the league off, but you're right. In most places, I ultimately think trading trading for Demarcus Cousins is, hmm. is going to just him continuing to be Demarcus Cousins. Like, and that's my thing with that's my thing with the Boston trade. It's like who are the, who's the Celtics' best player? It's Isaiah Thomas. I, yeah, I it's don't Demarcus think Cousins. Yeah, I don't think Isaiah, I, well, I don't I don't think necessarily the Kings would want Isaiah back in the deal. Maybe oh, maybe they do, but if they, but if they don't, you know, then it, then like we already saw Isaiah Thomas play with Demarcus Cousins in Sacramento, and guess guess what? Isaiah didn't do anything to slow him down. Right. We so I missed I missed OKC. I missed OKC. Obviously, Westbrook is better than than uh, Cousins. That would be a good spot for him. Yeah, those those are basically the spots, pretty much. Yeah. That's, I, I think that and you may say it sounds unreasonable to me, and I, I don't think I think that Sacramento probably will end up trading him to a team that's not one of those teams. But like, well, yeah, that's, the odds you know, are, yeah, because there are, are 26 of those other teams, or or 24 yeah. of the other teams, and there are five or six of the teams that we think he would be well, a good fit on. Well, well, I, I think maybe, for example, like maybe he would be okay in Dallas because of Carlisle. Uh, Maybe he would be okay in Indiana. Maybe Paul George would be able to be the alpha in that Indiana situation. There's like a couple of guys who, like, based on force of will, could be the guy. What about Carmelo in New York? What do you think about that? How would that work out? Carmelo and and Cousins, the Kings get Porzingis. Yeah, I don't, I don't. I don't think that would work out too well. I'm gonna be. I'm gonna be honest with you. 
Carmelo's, Carmelo's fighting with Phil Jackson all the time. It's like right. fighting, you know, fighting with the media in New York. I don't think DeMarcus Cousins would take well to, be, to play in New York. I, yeah. Maybe Chicago. Maybe he could play with Wade. Yeah. I don't know, but man. But even then, like, yeah. <laughs> That's all I'm saying. I've already, I've, if you just think about it a little bit, it's like, do you really want DeMarcus Cousins to be in Boston? Like, uh, no, I, I, I mean, I don't really, but I want them to pull a trigger, the trigger on something and get a top 10 player. Get a top 10 player in here, please. Find a way. Uh, it's, it's a tall task. I know. I understand. It's, it's something It's difficult to ask of that, uh, that of, Dan, of Danny Ainge. He's doing the best he can, blah, blah, blah. But I just, <laughs> if you're not going to get a top 10 player in here, trim off some of this mediocre inconsistent not I'm, I don't I don't want to call them garbage but some of these guys are just they're middling role players and I'm tired of seeing them get rolled out there Kelly Olenek Marcus wow, Smart is getting on my nerves like I'm it's I'm starting to I'm starting to to just be sour on these guys and it's it's a shame because I, I thought that they had so much potential coming into the season, and they have a chance to turn it around. But it's they they're going to rely more on Isaiah Thomas than I expected they were going to have to. I thought that Crowder was going to be better. I thought that Horford was going to be a little better than what he's been. He's been he's been pretty good though, so I, I don't want to knock on him too much. He's done a lot of good good things for the Celtics, but. I certainly thought that guys like Olenek and Smart were going to take steps forward to help this team, and they have been just – Smart has been so inconsistent, it's frustrating. And Kelly Olenek, I just uh, – I'm, so, I'm getting – Ty Ray called me out on Twitter the other night, Calvin, after the postgame show because I was so critical of Kelly Olenek and how horrible I thought he was in that game. And uh, I just – I don't see it with him this year. He's just – I don't know whether he's hes not back from injury 100% or he just – something's not right. But he's still slow-footed, and I'm just getting tired of these middling guys. That's all. My rants, my rants are over for the night. I'm done. Yeah, yeah Ty – well, maybe, maybe I can get you lured into one later. We'll see. Uh, man, Ty really uh, loves just Kelly Olenek. He'll, he'll go with Kelly Olenek to the end. But and he tagged yeah. Gelso on it, and Gelso loves Ellen Olenek too, and it just got into this Olenek love fest, and they're talking about spreading the floor and stuff. And I'm like, guys, you can't spread the floor if if the defenders are sagging off you every night because you can't knock down a shot. And that's Kelly Olenek this year. He's not hitting shots. He's not drawing any defenders out to spread the floor. It's not happening. Kikina said about it because they love, they love Olenek, but they hate big men shooting threes. So figure that one out for oh. me. <laughs> I, yeah, I have been getting in like Celtics taking too many threes debates constantly. On, on yeah, we're going on a tangent here. This is the uh, yeah. the 45-minute mark here, halfway through. Uh, uh, well, boy, oh, so boy. Let's get back on track here. Yes. So, anyway, you the, the transition I wanted to make was – yeah, you've been uh, you've been getting sort of sick of uh, Marcus Smart, and I've been hearing the same thing from a lot of Celtics fans. Uh, what do you think about trading Marcus Smart for Nerlens Noel? Done. Do it. Do it. Done. 
give me a guy that could be a defensive stopper at some point. Get get him in the lineup. Give him a chance. Get rid of Marcus Smart. I'm tired of his. He's 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 another one that gets me frustrated. And he he just takes bad shots. He thinks he's a better shooter than he is. Sometimes you, it looks like he's too hesitant because he's realizing he's not a, a great shooter, and he caught, he holds the ball or makes the extra pass and turns it over. It's just his decision making skills are not there yet. And for a number six pick, he just he doesn't play very smart. Like Jalen Brown makes rookie mistakes this year. But he seems to to get it, and he and he seems to take chances in the right spots. Marcus Smart is just a gambler all the time, and the flopping is is something that I've always been against. So yeah, I would I would do that in a heartbeat. Oh yeah, the flopping drives me nuts. But uh, yeah, so to, to get into the well a little bit, he's uh, he's pretty upset. He he had uh, some knee surgery in the off season, has not really uh, had any games until recently. And he sort of found himself on the outside of the rotation looking in, uh, playing, you know, things like eight, seven minutes. Uh, not sure how many. He played seven minutes. He complained. He's like, yeah, against the Lakers, he played eight minutes. And he said, I mean, I'm too good to be playing eight minutes. That's crazy. That's crazy. Need to figure that S out. F out of here, he told the Porters after a loss to Lakers. Then the next night, he didn't play at all. Got zero minutes. And uh, Sixers GM Brent Brown came out and said, uh, I'm sorry, Colangelo came out and said that Brent Brown was not trying to punish Noel, but he just really wanted to experiment with the Joel and Bede uh, Jaheel Okafor combo and see how that worked out. And Noel getting zero minutes was just a consequence of that. Really hasn't seen much playing time since that. I tend to agree with him. I think he is, we, we saw this coming into the season. We knew that the Sixers' big man rotation was going to be a problem. But now it, it seems like a pretty big problem at this point. His trade value is only going down, right? I We talked about Bogut, but why wouldn't you take a chance on a young guy like Noel, whose you know, trade value is not too high right now? Colangelo, in fact, has been bitching about how like it's hard to trade these dudes right now because the, their value, other than their beads, is not too high because they're not getting the minutes. Why not try to make a move like off of them smart? They need they need guards on that team. They don't need big men. And the Celtics, like, corporate apparently doesn't want to play center, wants a guy who can protect the rim. It seems like a no-brainer to me. I, I feel like both teams would be into it. Um, I, I, I'm, I'm in agreement with you. That's That's all I have to say about that. I want a defensive stopper like that for the Celtics, a guy that... Can, I mean, Al Horford has been pretty good this year. Actually, he's been excellent on, with blocking the basketball and defending the rim. He's done that more than he has pretty much his entire career, and he's been asked to do that this year. But I would really like to see him be able to move out a little bit more and not have to be that center that's getting all the blocks. And having a guy like Noel, I think, would work out, especially if he's healthy. And I'm tired of Marcus Smart. If you can get that for one-for-one, one, do it. Do it, do it. Easy peasy. Um, Can we, like, uh, get this poll up on CLNS or something? It'd be an interesting, interesting thing to see hmm. the results of. Uh, yeah, let me text uh, Nick Chelsea right now. Nice. Look at this. Rudy's <laughs> a powerful man behind the scenes of CLNS, folks. Yeah, I'm going to text Nick Chelsea right now to get a poll up. Can we have a poll? 
uh, Apollo. Nope, that's that's not it. Um, on CLNSRadio.com, everybody go there right now. That asks, would you trade Marcus Smart for Nerlens Noel? Straight up, yes or no? Easy poll. Maybe we can. Maybe I'll throw it out on Twitter too. Do it. Um. And then we can get some ideas, and then we'll come back in 2017 and see if it's happened. And then we can talk about it. All right, one more NBA topic, and I, I think this is probably pretty quick. What's going on with the new CBA? Uh, it's it's not that quick. Uh, here's so I don't know really how much you, <laughs> I don't know how much of this new CBA you've seen, Rui. I don't know if you know any questions at all about nothing, it. Nothing, not, nothing at all. There, there are some things that I like. Uh, the players overall are getting, uh, a, you know, a slightly bigger piece of the pie, uh, around the same but slightly bigger. So good, good for them. You know, I, I think that a fifty-fifty is around that has always seemed fair to me. Uh, so there's a new thing now where, I, I, and I've been sort of arguing for this for a while for the NBA, uh, but the now NBA teams can have two players. Uh, that are technically on the roster while they play in the D League, and they're sort of like their minor league players that they can call up whenever necessary, and other teams can't sign them. Uh, or just, you know, I think it's good. I, they they still get paid full NBA salaries while they're on the D in the D League, which is cool too. So they're sort of not being penalized. Uh, that that's a good thing. I don't know. Do you agree with that? Yeah, I mean it's it's. Sounds good. I mean, I don't know. I, yeah. How how okay. much how much effect is that really gonna gonna have? It, I mean, it's a it's a nice it's a nice well, thing that there's no penalty. Well, but is it really well, gonna be it, utilized? It it will be utilized because what what it'll do is like it'll protect your you know if you send down uh, a player to the D League, he can be signed to to any team's uh, roster. So, and, you know, besides your past your 15-man roster, like if you send your 16th guy to the D-League, he can be picked up by anyone who has an injury. And all, all okay. of a sudden you have a trap. And, and, you know what I mean? You lose you lose a guy. Now there are two guys that you can keep in the D-League in case somebody gets hurt or, or whatever to add to your 15-man roster later. And they're getting paid NBA salaries. All right. So it's more NBA Okay, so, yeah, I guess I – guess, so it's really more for the fringe NBA player than, and the guys that are going to bounce back and forth and maybe try and catch on to a team. So, well, I guess I shouldn't have said is it going to be utilized, but it, it's 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 more of a, a low-hanging well, fruit that the NBA has sort of cleaned up a little bit because why wouldn't you be able to uh, sign a guy that's been sent to the D-League by a team that that has – his rights just because I mean it, it's it's a it's a different league it's a different situation if he's not on your active roster or on your your 15 man or whatever it is your 13 man then everybody should have have uh, have a, a chance to get him because he's not technically in the league. 
No, but you hit on a, you hit on a great secondary point too, which is why wouldn't you use this strategically? The, again, the way that the baseball teams use the minor leagues. Why wouldn't you send you know down a guy who maybe a guy even like Jalen Brown, maybe who now he's playing more minutes, but there was a period of time during the season where Jalen Brown was sort of getting less. You know, he was getting like seven minutes a game. Why wouldn't you take your rookie, all right, that you drafted? Send him, send him down to to the D League, have him play thirty minutes a night, and then bring him up later in the season. He, he, that just seems like a smart business decision. Now you have that option without having to worry about somebody trying to sign Jalen Brown the second he goes down to the D League. It just creates right. all sorts of options going forward for your team in terms of flexibility, getting guys reps, preparing guys. Like that way, you can you, know, you can prepare guys without having to compromise by losing games. It t- it makes total sense to me to use it strategically. I don't think we'll see that right away, but I think some smart coach or GM will you know start instituting that, and that'll sort of be the direction the league moves in. All right. So yeah, so I like that. Okay. What was there was another thing besides the main thing that I was going to bring up that I can't remember. Oh yeah. So. I can't remember. So I'm, I'm just going to get to the main point. Have you heard about this new Kevin Durant word? No, but I tell me, tell me about it. If it's, if it's a Kevin Durant rule, I can only imagine it's. It must be something about uh, who knows, signing w- <laughs> with a with a new team and only signing a one year deal or something like that. Uh, not necessarily signing with a one year deal. So the league again. Look, it's, it's already – I don't mind – I didn't mind when the CBA created a structure uh, where it allowed teams to re-sign their own players at numbers over the cap, okay? Because I think that there should be somewhat of an advantage to re-signing your own, your, with your own team. But then at, at the last CBA, they changed it to, like, allow teams to offer players – like up to thirty to forty million more dollars to play with their same to stay with their same team, and I thought that was ridiculous because it, to my mind, it's it's circul it circumvents the idea of like freedom and more importantly, like having the ability to just win by being a better organization than other teams, and it sort of puts the onus on being lucky enough to draft the guy who's going to end up being a star. You know what I mean? Like, I don't think that you should just create this, these huge motivations for guys to re-sign with their own teams when those teams got lucky that, they, that the player ended up there in the first place. They're either a high draft pick that the team got by being bad, so it was just like, you know, whoopee, or like the team lucked out in drafting the right guy. That doesn't, that doesn't necessarily mean you should have that guy's rights for life. And now they doubled down on that and created this Kevin Durant uh, stipulation in which, like, if a player makes an all-NBA team uh, for, for two out of the last three years before his contract ends, has won an MVP or a defensive player of the year, you can you can pay him up basically up to $80 million more than the other team would be able to play, pay him. The, the max okay, contract, so, so yeah. it, it's, it, how many players are we talking about then? I, mean, I was going to say this goes back to DeMarcus Cousins, but it, it sounds to me like maybe Cousins would not be one of those types of players. So are we really only talking about maybe five to ten players in the league that this would apply to? Uh, I think it's I think it's any all-NBA team. So we're really talking about – But two know, out of the really last three years, they have to be on an all-NBA team? Right. So we're, okay, we're so, so, maybe not, it's, so maybe it's more like 20 players. Yeah. I, I would guess 
probably around 12 players, okay. 12 to 15. But but those are guess what? Those 12 to 15 players, Rory, those are the players who decide to win and lose this championship. Yep, the rich get richer, yeah. and the rich get richer. Yeah. It's a uh, it's quite quite a concept here by the NBA. Yeah. You want the Celtics to get one of those guys? This scenario makes it like virtually impossible. And I've read articles like anticipate. And this is like in your second contract. It's eighth, eighth or ninth year players. So, like, it, it basically makes it look. Kevin Durant left uh, money on the table to leave the Thunder and go to the Warriors. Okay, but again, we're talking about a thirty million dollar difference over four years, five years. This is an eighty million dollar difference, eighty ninety million dollar difference. That it's almost impossible to like expect players to give that up, and so. Uh, the, the league is like speculating, well, like it, this will be fine because this will just, uh, and you can only do this Kevin Durant rule. If you resign, uh, with the same team you played for under your rookie contract. So the speculation is, well, this will just lead stars while they're still under their rookie contracts to be traded to the teams they actually want to go to. But I don't, I find that hard to believe that that's going to happen because if you're, if you're an NBA rookie, who's a star player. Okay. By the time your, by the time your rookie contract ends, you're not going to be disenchanted with the city that you started on. You're not going to be ready to decide where you want to go to next. You never see that happen in the guy's first contract. And the reason is, again, your first year you're feeling your way around the NBA. Let's say you're a star player. Your second year is like your first year being established as a star. Nobody expects you to win. Nobody expects you to win in those first four years, period. So you don't have, like, an expectation of, like, oh, this team is making me feel bad because I'm not winning. I need. I feel my, my NBA uh, – you know, longevity here. I feel my career uh, on the clock. By the time you end your fourth year, you're still just a partying kid who's happy to get the max contract. You still think you're going to get better. There's almost nobody who's going to say, trade me in my third year in the NBA, which is essentially what you would have to do to, like, be traded to another team and have that team have your your, uh, Kevin Durant rule contract applied anyway. And most players, like, in that first contract are probably not going to be on you know two all NBA teams in their first three years. Right. Okay. So we're we're not. So it's not a lot of players that are going to be affected by this, and it is kind of the rich get richer. Uh, but we just spoke about how the people at the end of the rosters are, are going to have a little more security as well. So, um, I, I mean, I think I think the NBA is trying to to take steps towards having a more even playing field as far as the, the money split is concerned. And a lot of leagues, most of the leagues around aren't doing things like that. And I, I think that the NBA has, has a pretty good standing with their players association. And that's why you see things getting extended and wrapped up quickly. And there's really no, no uh, real serious arguments and there's no lockouts or anything like that. There's not even really a threat of it. So the, the whatever they're doing, they're doing it right at this point, and the league is growing exponentially. And I think it's just they're they're taking strides that people couldn't have really predicted, unless your name is David Stern. But either way, so, I mean, yeah, yeah, that's the good thing about it. Is they avoid a lockout, although it, it'd be a ridiculous thing for them to uh, have a lockout at this point. That the rate the NBA is growing and the team sort of the growth of the TV money, uh, the NBA is, is as healthy as it's ever been. So I, I don't think you know, anybody wanted to sort of uh, halt that money train. But uh, that's a good thing about it. You'd like, like I just said, the rich and the poor are both going to get richer. But in the, the place where this is really going to affect is sort of the NBA's middle class. You know, it's going to be harder for those people to get the same 
uh, share the pie that they got previously. But mm. Yeah, mm. middle class suffers again. That's America, baby. Here we go. Um, Calvin, ha- happy holidays, my friend. Do you have anything else you want to say about this before we move on? Hi, you gave me happy holidays mid-show, huh? Yes. Uh, I'm good. Yeah. There you have it. That's what you get instead. The only holiday song that we have on the board. Last Christmas. Hello, Liz. Uh, try again. Oh, boy. Now who's having now who's having internet issues? No, we're gonna have to cut Liz loose and bring her back. Yep. Yeah. We can't, that, we actually, can't it's, Calvin, this is this is choppier than you were earlier. I'm sh- I'm shocked because she was oh, fine earlier, but now you know, she's. Uh, you know what? Maybe maybe this is what we're doing. Let's try one more time. Uh, Maybe come back. We'll do another uh, the next story and sort of come back to her in a few minutes. Yeah, maybe she can try and reconnect. Uh, Liz, you or anybody else out there can also call three two three six four two one four eight four. That's a free free toll free free toll free. You call that number and get on the phone with us, and uh, that's that. Also, Calvin, I tweeted out the. the are the uh, Marcus Smart question? See if anybody responds. Nobody has yet, but uh, who knows? Got All right. An hour left. Meanwhile, the Celtics are about to uh, attempt a game-winning shot here in Memphis. Oh Keep boy! And I'm not even I'm not even watching it. How about that? Uh, yeah, they tied nope. at 97 with 29 seconds left. Oh, you are behind. Home. Maybe we should just end the Maybe show so I can watch. Oh, I am behind you. Yep. Um, no, we won't do that, but let's fly through these, will you? Okay. Please say. So, uh, yeah, you watched some NFL this weekend, Rudy. Do you have any, uh, I did. any quick, quick, any, quick, quick NFL observations, Rudy's, Rudy's NFL observations? All right, three quick things that I wanted to throw out there. Looks like the Giants really are legit. That's for sure. Uh, I still am embarrassed every time I watch the Washington Redskins. That that franchise is is just man. They they fail in big games left and right all the time. Uh, and finally, I'm t- not totally sold on the Patriots' defense, uh, but I think that they're making steps forward and. They, again, are not really going to get tested until the playoffs, so they're going to have to step up big in big games. Uh, but the, the the big thing here on my mind is something I want to ask you about. We've talked about Cam Newton on this show in the past. He took another shot uh, last night, and he he reacted negatively to it, all right? And he got flagged on the play. And everybody thought that the flag was going to be for the – 
for the um, the penalty, but it wasn't. It was for Cam Newton. Now, oh, you go ahead. I'm my sorry. question, my question for you is: This is not a Cam Newton situation, but I think this is this has grown into more of a superstar, um, uh, great physical athlete type of situation. And it, so it's not just Cam Newton, but I think that the the referees sometimes look at top-level players and treat them differently in the NFL. Like you would treat LeBron James in the NBA, they they give they give LeBron James a lot of calls. It seems to be the opposite in the NFL at times. A guy like Rob Gronkowski, Calvin is always complaining about how he a lot of other people would be drawing or, or pass interference penalties but since he's just so physically bigger than the, the uh, defensive backs that he's going up against, it doesn't look like pass interference, uh, even though it probably should be. And I think sometimes the same seems to be going for Cam Newton, where he, he may be sliding and the refs don't look at it as a, as a slide because he's such a, a big and, and physical quarterback, or they just look at him as, as a, a, a top-tier player and they don't give him the benefit of the doubt. So if that's happening – my question to you is, which which way should it go? Should it go the way of the NBA, where they the superstars are getting egregious calls in their favor? Or should it go the way of the NFL, where it seems that some of these guys go out there week in, week out, and just get screwed by refs because they're physically better than their opponent? Yeah, I, what you're talking about, I don't necessarily think is a superstar-specific thing. Uh, I think it's it's more of a size-specific thing. You know, we saw it in the NBA with Shaq. What you're talking about with Cam Newton and Gronk is the same thing with Shaq. It's just harder. Here's the thing. It's like the referees can't watch all 11 players on both sides at the same time or, you know, all five NBA players on the court at the same time. So a lot of what happens is instead of seeing the contact itself, what they often see is the aftermath of contact, how guys react physically. To something, and that's how sometimes you know a guy can overreact, and you know that's why flopping exists, things like that, because uh, you know the reaction is what creates the call. But the thing is, is guys like Gronk and Cam and Shaq, like they don't they don't create that that sort of physical reaction. Somebody hits Cam and they fall down. It's harder for referees to notice that. Obviously, sometimes they do, but on a guy who's that big, referees are just going to miss it all the time. If Gronkowski doesn't get knocked down by dudes, it's harder to, for for them to be like, oh well, he you know had made illegal contact. Obviously, holding is another matter. Holding is something you can see, but in terms of just personal fouls, over the top hits, you know, unless we're talking about helmet to helmet, it's not necessarily always easy to see with a guy that size. And I, I think that's what the bigger issue is with them. But uh, I, you just reminded me of what uh, the, the Cam Newton play I wanted to ask you about. Did you see when Cam Newton headbutted that guy and how terrible of, of a headbutt it was, how it was formed? He was like, he headbutted the guy, and he was like trying to snake his body along along the dude. I don't, I wish I knew who the player was so I can refer to him specifically. Cam Newton got frustrated, tried to headbutt a defensive player, and it was just a totally embarrassing attempt at a headbutt. Right. Did you hear yourself? Uh, I was in and out of that game, so I didn't see that instance, unfortunately. But 
Okay, fair I enough. can imagine what it was like. Yeah. But no, I, I think that you're probably that you have a good point there on on the, the size of these players and just making it, look, it that much more difficult for the referees to call. Um, all right, we're gonna go back to Liz now. Hello, she's on the phone. She called three two three six four two one four eight four. Hello, Liz. Hello. Hello. That's better. I was so earlier when. I didn't have to hear the song, and then you played it anyways, thinking that it would help. So, I heard well, twice. That's what happens. Great. <laughs> that's what happens. Um, how are you guys? There's, Good. There are two things I want to say about the discussions that have been happening already. Number Uh-oh. one is that <laughs> that I I do not say Kelly, I say Olenek, and you say it differently. You say Olenek. I say Kelly, Olenek. Kelly Olenek. Olenek. See, you say Olenek. I say Olenek. And so I'm assuming that's correct. That's number one. Great. Number I two is... I don't think that matters. Go. Number two... <laughs> number two is that... Who is the player you were talking about? Again, that sounds like a character from Garfield. Nermal? Nermal? Nerlens. Nerlens Noel. Nerlens. That might be my favorite name right now. All right, so you hope that they trade Marcus Smart for Nerlens Noel. Chuck up a yes yes, for Liz on the CLNSRadio.com poll. Oh, boy. I would love to have Nerlens. I heard a a joke about they should trade him to New Orleans and and he would change his name to Nerlens Noel. No. It's got to be Nerlens. What a dumb joke. It's not even oh boy. <laughs> okay, so so I don't really have a game tonight. I have more of like a Isaiah's got forty. Uh, Sorry, Isaiah. Isaiah Thomas has forty points right now. That's that's something. It's in overtime. Anyway, go ahead, Liz. Um. So I don't know if you guys saw the news story about Sting and how he was hired as a intimidation coach for the Cowboys as like a stunt, publicity stunt. Have you guys seen this? Sting, Sting the Sting. wrestler? Sting the wrestler. Sting the singer? So he... Calvin. Calvin yeah, that'd be amazing. If the Cowboys hired <laughs> Sting the singer. That's, I was hoping. And I was hoping that's Sting what it would the, be. Sting the singer... As the intimidation coach, yes, that makes total sense. So, so in that in that mindset, I was thinking it might be fun to think of different coaches in the NFL, but as wrestlers. And since you're both wrestling fans, I figured I would name a wrestling coach. I meant not wrestling coach, a football coach position, and you guys have to give me your input on who you think would be the best in that position. The best, coach the best, yeah, the best wrestler as an NFL football coach. Do you know how NFL teams have like 30 coaches? Yes. Okay. All right. So, for example, if you were to pick an offensive coordinator, who would it be? Uh, I'm I'm going I'm going with the ultimate warrior because Whoa, you're going old school. 
Yeah, because he was uh, he was just all energy all the time, and I think uh, in the NFL, offenses need to have a lot of pace to them, and the offenses that don't um, have that mu- that much energy and speed are the ones that end up falling apart in the playoffs. Okay, I'm gonna go. Yeah, I'm gonna go with Seth Rollins because he he has a diversified offense. He does a lot of moves. Okay, sort of a West Coast offensive guy. You know, doesn't throw a lot of bombs, but uh, you know, manages to consistently move the chains. And he's sort of smarmy, and I feel like the best offensive coordinators like <laughs> are always young smarmy tricks. So that's what I'm going with. Okay, I'm going with Dean Ambrose because I think that he is unpredictable, and that's the best type of offense is unpredictable and efficient, personally. That's what I think. And I win All because right. I'm the judge. Next um, is <laughs> okay. special teams coach. So you have to pick a tag team. <clears throat> you right, you're going to go first here, Calvin. Uh, I, I go last every time. <laughs> okay, uh, you know what? I'm gonna go with the Dudley Boys because, like, <laughs> they give them. Yeah, and the reason I'm picking the Dudley Boys is because they like smash through a lot of tables and stuff. They know how to break through the line, and cra- crash through the line, and get blocks. <laughs> yeah, I like they're you're actually good. using like football terms. Okay. They're not, they're not creating returns. Their return can leave something to be desired. But you know what? They're, yeah, they're, good at, they're good at blocking up front, and they know how to break through the line. Okay. All right. Uh, I'm, I'm going with uh, the New Age Outlaws because they, uh, you know, they are wily veterans. They're crafty. <laughs> they make plays when it matters. They know how to, how to get in the trenches, and they can sneak away with, with a fumble here or there. And uh, they always found a way to sneak away with a victory as well. And plus, they're they're good in front of a microphone, and that's uh, that's what Matthew Slater is for the Patriots. He's good in front of a microphone, and he's going to be a great special teams coach someday because he's a special teams superstar. Wow, that's pretty good. Um, that's compelling. I'm going I'm going with Enzo and Big Cass because I find them to be the most entertaining. Tag team in forever, and that's it. That's the only reason. Can I jump in here? Yeah, you can jump in. You can jump in, but I just want to make sure that Liz realizes what what this. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, that's fine. So uh, I was watching. I was uh, you know watching Direct TV on Sunday, flipping around a two. Oh, humble uh, brag. And one one of the one of the games that I stumbled across was the uh, New England Patriots-Denver Broncos game. And as it turns out, a coordinator on the the Patriots, I think it's their defensive coordinator, maybe their defensive line coach, who for years I assumed was Mike Rabel, apparently isn't Mike Rabel. It's just another guy who looks exactly like Mike Rabel. I know exactly what you're talking about. You're talking about Matt. Yeah, who's that guy? I thought it was Rabel. No. No, Matt Patricia has a giant beard. He doesn't look like Mike Rabel. That's Rabel. <laughs> what? Rabel. Matt Patricia, you think looks like Mike Rabel? Are you are you crazy? Yeah. 
I just thought that was Rainbow. So I, I just assumed that was Rainbow. With the, the beard? Time. The guy the guy with yeah. the big beard and the backwards hat? Does <laughs> yeah, Rainbow yeah. have a big beard and backwards hat? No, Rainbow no. doesn't have a beard at all. What's wrong with you? No, I don't believe no. so, Calvin. He, he's I'm a, he's a like Texas coordinator right now. I don't think he's ever <laughs> had, a, had a beard. Wait. I did find a picture of him with a beard because I Googled Mike Rabel beard, but. Okay. How, how but, far down Calvin, did you find, did you no. see this picture? Calvin, how many t- Calvin's probably I, seen Mike Rabel one time in his life. He thought it was Matt Patricia. Unbelievable. Calvin, I think, can I, I think can I tell you? Like Not acceptable. Can I tell you that I I googled Mike Vrabel beard and like the tenth picture is a, a picture of Matt Patricia. <laughs> No, it's not. Oh wait, yeah, it's a picture of Matt Patricia. It is. You're right. And there's no Vrabel in it, so it it's really That's funny right. to me. There is but no Vrabel in it. Mayo's in it and Belichick. I don't, I don't think they look familiar at all. I think no, no, nope, no, nope. You're wrong, guys. Yeah. Okay. I think I think Patricia just looks like a guy who would be named Mike Vrabel. That's okay. Fine. Vrabel's got his own job now. Um, Liz, do you have another? We're running out of time. Um, well, no, then. You guys can go do your stuff. I just thought that was – I thought it was fun. I ruined it with Mike Grable. Oh. Well, in, Thanks in, a lot. Liz, in your honor, I want, want to tell you about a story that was just sent to me oh. via email. Um, it happened in Everett, Massachusetts, mm-hmm. and it, it was a multiple-person brawl with people kicking police officers in a Chuck E. Cheese. What? Yep. On Saturday, two officers at the Gateway Mall responded to a report of adults drinking alcoholic beverages, which are prohibited inside of Chuck E. Cheese. They tried to arrest one of them, and he became belligerent with officers and customers who were also drinking. He was arrested, and other patrons began (laughs) inciting the crowd, who turned hostile against the responding officers and multiple patrons began punching and kicking the officers. Uh, and they had to call in additional units from Medford as well. So the Everett police really had a, had a, had a run in at the Chuck E. Cheese down there. Two things. I've been, I know Everett and, and so I believe the story 110%. Number two, all I can think about is pugs wanting to go get pizza at Chuck E. Cheese for lunch, and they wouldn't let him in without a kid. That's right. It would not. <laughs> they would not. He, he even offered to just take the pizza out, and they said, no, we can't do that, sir. I'm sorry. Weird, <clears> anyway. Weird. Thank okay. you, Liz. All right. Have a wonderful evening. Goodbye. See you. Bye. All right, Calvin. How are we going to – oops, that's the wrong person. All right, Calvin, how are we going to end this thing? Why are you muting me, Brett? I didn't mean to, uh, man. I clicked the wrong button. No, no, I'm kidding. Uh, let's see. Did we, okay, I want to talk a little bit about uh, NFL two-point conversions because there was a couple of there were a couple of uh, scenarios on Sunday that I found interesting. One, there were two failed two-point conversions on Sunday. One was the Eagles against uh, the Ravens in Baltimore, and the other one was the Titans against the Chiefs, and the Titans uh, were down one, but they ended up getting a game-winning field goal as time expired. Now, you know, 
coaches are getting a lot of praise. Like, oh, like finally coaches aren't being conservative and they're going for it. And then the coaches who don't go for it are like, man, these coaches don't show me balls. But I, I feel like lost in these judgments of, of whether or not, like, it was a good move to go for a two-point conversion. Like, you you have to use common sense for it. And I think that's why I'm getting taking issue with it. It's not like, hey, it's a good idea to go for two or, like, it's a bad idea to go for two. You should You should be aggressive for the most part. But there's still certain situations where it doesn't make sense to go for the for the two. Like for example, in look the the game with Philly against Baltimore makes total sense. There was no time left on the clock. Your Philly season is over. What's the point of going to overtime? You you're on the road, all or nothing, go for the win, right? That makes sense. There's no consequence for that. They they didn't get it. But then but then because they didn't get it they're open you know, they're opened up to criticism. Uh Tennessee went for went for two and didn't get it, but the issue with that is they went for two in a situation with 3.40 left on the clock, which makes no sense at all to me because the Chiefs were going to get the, the ball back with plenty of time to drive down the ball down the field no matter what, right? So why, create, why, go, why take the risk that you're not going to get that two and then all of a sudden all, all the Chiefs have to do is attempt to you know get one first down and run the clock out? Rather than if it was a tie, they're still going to have to try to march the ball down into field goal range anyway, which they're going to do. They're going to do the exact same thing if you're up one that they are if, if you're tied. They're still going to have the same amount of time to do so. The only difference is like whether or not you're up one or not, but losing by two or losing by three, it doesn't really make a difference in that respect. So wh- I don't understand why a team puts themselves behind the eight ball. Now, it worked out well for them because the Chiefs couldn't secure the first down afterward, but they're still putting their they're still putting their defense in a hole while all of a sudden, if you know, the Chiefs get that one first down, then the game is over. So, yeah, they got lucky, in which case they won't get criticized for it. But to me, it, it's still a stupid decision in that situation, and it just boggles my mind that like, coaches are still forgetting to use common sense when it comes to things as simple as a two-point conversion. Well, I'm I'm trying to <clears throat> look up and see what Ryan Suckup's stats are for uh, extra points this year because I know that a lot of coaches are going away from the extra point in general just because they don't trust their their uh, kickers to make those kicks anymore because they've backed it out to the to to be a 33 yard kick and I, I still think you're right though there are certain situations where you just you just kick the, you just kick it anyway. Go for the kick. Let your guy take, go out there and, and knock one through. And I think coaches are getting a little too cute at times, especially when games don't really matter for them and uh, their teams are, are knocked out of the playoffs already. So I just – I don't know. The NFL seems backwards in a different way at pretty much every week to me, Calvin. Yes. That that logic would apply in a scenario like if if they were the Steelers and they just made a con like they do they just make a conscious decision to like we're the team that's going to go for two as much as possible that's fine but they didn't go for two at all until that one point with three forty one left in the game and even even beyond that the thing about like them being concerned about their kicker is irrelevant because they relied on their kicker to kick a fifty three yard field goal to win the game which he did, you know what I mean? So it, yeah. it's like they believed in that kicker enough to go for it instead of taking a Hail Mary in terms of a 53-yarder, then they probably should have still had that same confidence in him to kick a 33-yarder, right? Yep, that's true. And he's only missed yeah. two this year, so there you go. I got him. Got the stats. He's only missed two. All right. It's funny, that's though. He's one, of the, he's one of these guys that uh, he didn't miss a single extra point until 
2015, and then he missed two, and, and then this year he's missed two as well. For his first, looks like his first 200, uh, or maybe a little bit less than 200 kicks in the league, all went through. And then he got moved back, and they're starting to miss. So, in general, I think that, that moving the extra point back was good, but it has resulted in some some crazy logic for going for two. Um, all right. All right. <clears throat> That's it. Yeah. Uh, yes. who, who's going to make the playoffs? Let's, let's get some predictions on the table now. AFC, oh, NFC. AFC, NFC. Well, I mean, let's just start at the top. It's easy. Obviously, there's a few teams that have made the playoffs. In the AFC, it's only it's only two teams. It's uh, New England and Oakland right now. And in the NFC, oh. it is uh, what the Dallas and Seattle have clinched, and everybody yeah. else is up in the air, right? Yep. Give me the order. One through six. Let's go. All right. So, uh, in the AFC, I'm gonna st- I'm gonna stick with the chalk here. Patriots, Raiders, one two, uh, and then um, we'll get the we'll get the Chiefs in there. We'll get uh, let's see, Pittsburgh. Um, I think I think I, I don't. Without looking at the schedule, I think Baltimore is gonna find a way, and and then. Um, Let's 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 go with uh, the Miami Dolphins sneaking into the playoffs as well. Who wins the AFC South? That's the one team you didn't mention. Houston, Tennessee are tied. Indianapolis came back. Who do you like? Oh, I didn't mention that. So let's yeah, let's. Uh, I guess I, I'm going with Houston in that one just because. I don't know how much I trust Tennessee, but I don't know a whole lot about them. I didn't even realize they were they were that good. It's it's a tight race right now for the playoffs in, in the NFL, especially in the in the AFC. Calvin, it's too close to call. And honestly, I don't even think that I've watched a single Tennessee Titans game in the last five years. Yeah, really. I have the Patriots at one. I'm going to go with the Chiefs at two. I think that they're going to end up pulling even with the Raiders, and they'll have a tiebreaker. Uh, I'm going to go with. Uh, Pittsburgh at three. I'm going to go with Houston as the four seed. The Raiders are the five. And I'm going to go with the Miami Dolphins in case the Ravens are the team that gets left out. Put on there. All right. Yeah. I like that. NFC? I yeah. like that because you know what? That means that the Dolphins are probably going to beat the Patriots in the, in the last week of the season and people are going to start freaking out around here. Anyway, go ahead. I think they will. I, I think they will. I, I think the Patriots will want to keep the, the Ravens out of the playoffs, and I, I think they'll, they'll have no motivation to win that game. They'll have the, the one seat blocked up by then, and so, therefore, that's, that's exactly what I think is going to happen. All right. Uh, in the, I agree. In the NFC, yeah. In the NFC, the Cowboys basically, if, if they win one more, the Giants lose one more, they have the one seat. So I'm assuming they're going to get the one. Seattle is already locked into the two, basically, no matter what happens. Mm-hmm. So there's the one, two. Uh, the three, I am going to say, I'm going to say the Atlanta Falcons hold on in the South and win the three. Uh, I am going to say a lot of people think Green Bay is going to to overtake Detroit, but I think Detroit's going to beat them in the final game, and I'm going to take Detroit as the four, the Giants as the five, and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers as six. See, th- that seems pretty easy to me, but I think that the Bucks are are actually going to take the South. I think that they're going to find a way to win their last two games and Atlanta is going to split 
and uh, the Bucks are going to do this thing just because I, I watched them against Dallas, and while they didn't find a way to win that game, they did have some fight, and they they came back to tie it. Uh, so I just I feel like they are kind of on a roll here towards the end of the season, and they 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 look good to me. So I'm going to have them win that division. But everything else that you said pretty much lines up. The one and two seem obvious, and um, I, I like Detroit to hold in the North as well because they just they they seem to have figured it out this year for whatever reason. And I don't think the Green Bay is going to rail off six wins in a row to end the season after they've won the last four. So. Uh, the next two are going to be tough for them. We'll we'll see what happens, but that's it. That's it for us here. We've got like a minute left. Do you want to say anything else? Uh, I want to talk about the Pro Bowl, but we'll push it to next week if I remember. Well, next year maybe because – Oh, yeah, yeah, that's right. So do you feel like anyone got screwed for the Patriots in the Pro Bowl? I feel like uh, we should have gotten in Snacks Harrison, our defensive tackle, best run stopper in the league. Uh, maybe our – our left, our left guard probably should have got in, but he was hurt a little bit too much, Justin Pugh. So, uh, other than that, I feel pretty good about our four Pro Bowlers. How do you feel about yours? I feel about as much as not even knowing who the Pro Bowlers are, Calvin, because that's how much that game matters. It does not matter whatsoever. And I feel like a lot of the players feel that way as well, so I'm with them. Don't even care. Don't even know. The Patriots players probably won't even want to go because hopefully they'll be playing in the Super Bowl the week before. Anyway, buddy, 10 seconds. Have a good night, sir. Yeah, I think it's Brady, Hightower, and McCordy, if I remember. Maybe one more guy. All right, buddy. Good. Have a good good for them. Slater. Yeah. Good night, everyone. Yes. Happy holidays.